Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In Parshas Ekev, Moshe Rabbeinu retells the story of how he went up to Harsinai to receive the Torah. And when he came down, the people were engaged in a very in a very unfortunate sin, in the sin of the golden calf, and he smashed the Luchais. And then he went back up the mountain for another 40 days. And he... Um, and he came down, and he eventually got a new set of luchas. Let's read what Moshe Rabbeinu says here. Now, Esahi, at that time, we'll see from Rashi exactly which time is being referred to. At that time, Amar Hashem Eli, God said to me, You for yourself, cut out for yourself two tablets of stone, similar to the first ones, and come up to me to the mountain, and you will make for yourself an Arun Eitz, a wooden box in which to, to contain, to hold the Luchas. Let's continue a few more psukhas. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu continuing to speak. I will write on those tablets, I will write on them the things, the words, Asher Hayu that were on the first luchais, that were on the first set of tablets, Asher Shibarta, that you broke. And then you will place them in the Oren. So now Meshur Rabbeinu says, I made an Oren, I made a box out of Shitim wood, and I Yud, I cut two stone tablets like the first ones. And I went up to the mountain. And the two tablets were in my hand. And Hashem wrote on the tablets, like the first writing. He wrote on the new tablets. Which Aseres Advarim, the ten things, the ten statements that Hashem had spoken to you on the mountain, from the fire, the Yom HaKahol, on the day of assembly, on that day when the entire nation was assembled to hear, by Yitzname Hashem Eloi. And then Hashem gave to me those two tablets after he had uh, written on them. And then I turned and I went down from the mountain. And I placed the luchais in the oran that I had made. And they were there. Now there are a number of different points which we could ponder here. Let's begin with Rashi. Rashi says, what does it mean at that time? At the end 
of the original, of the end of the 40 days. Moshe Rabbeinu went up after the Cheta Egel. He went up and he was pleading with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so at the end of the 80 days, Nisrat Sovi, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was uh, appeased to me. And so then, Omar Eli, so he said to me, Solacha, he said, you for yourself, make for yourself the, the tablets, the Acharkach, and afterwards, the Asisa Oreg, and then make for yourself the Oreg. I'm curious to see what it says here. I'm not going to worry about it now. The Asisa Oreg. And he said, make for yourself the Luchais, and afterwards, make for yourself the Oreg. Now, says Rashi, Vani and I, Moshe Rabbeinu, Asisi Oren Zchiva. I made the Oren first. Because when I will come down from the mountain and the Luchais will be in my hand, where should I put them? If I don't make the Oren first. Now, before we continue in Rashi, it would seem at first glance that Rashi was looking ahead to the next Pasuk. The next Pasuk says, the first Pasuk says, make Luchai Savanen, and then it says, make an Oranates, make a, a closet, make a box in which to carry them. But the next Pasuk, it seems that Rashi was looking ahead to the next Pasuk, or two Pesukim ahead, Pasuk Gimel. It says, Va'as Oranates Shitim, I made a box out of Shitim wood, Sol Shnei Luchai Savanen Korishenim, and I I uh, hewed, I cut out two tablets of stone like the first ones. So in other words, Pasuk Aleph seems to mean that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to first make the Luchas and then the Oren. And yet in Pasuk Gimel, we find that Moshe Rabbeinu did it backwards. He first made the, the Oren, he made the box, and he made, then he made the Luchas into which to, to put into to it. So it would seem that Rashi is, has looked ahead a couple of psukim, and he's bothered. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu change the order? So he says, Vani Asisi Oren So Moshe Rabbeinu says, yes, I changed the order. I made the Oren first, and there was a reason for that. Because when, I, when I'll come down from the mountain, and the Luchas will be in my hand, where should I put them? So therefore, I made a, a, an Oren first. Let's continue. Rashi continues. Now Rashi volunteers for us something here, which is seemingly not in this Pasuk and not in Tupsukum later either. He says, This is not the Oren that Bitsalo made when he constructed the Mishkan. Of course, in the Mishkan, the, the focal point was the, the Oren HaKadosh, and it was the master craftsman was Bitsalo, but says Rashi, the Oren that we're that is being referred to in these Psukim is not the one that was made by Bitsalo. Shahare, because Mishkan Askubo The Mishkan, they did not busy themselves with making the Mishkan, they did not involve themselves with making the Mishkan until after Yom Kippur of that year. In other words, uh Matan Torah was on Bob Sivan. And they didn't start building the Mishkan until months later, after Yom Kippur. And Rashi explains why. When Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain the final time, so then 
HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu commanded them to build the Mishkan. And B'tzalo made the Mishkan first. And then he made the Oren in the Keva. Now here, when it says, Hashem said to me, make the Luchais and make the Oren. So this is not happening after Yom Kippur. This is happening, uh, um, I believe they say this is happening on Chav Tes Av. This is uh, um, more than a month earlier. So Nimsa, it comes out, says Rashi, this is a different Oran. This is the Oran that used to go out with them to war. They used to carry this Oran with them when they went to war. Um, Rashi does not say it clearly here, but it says in other places that they used to take the Shivre Luchas, the broken Luchas of the first Luchas, and they were being kept in this Oran, and they would carry this Oren out to them to war, and that would provide for them some sort of a special strength and protection. But also, the Oren that Bitsalo made, that did not go out to war. Only it happened one time in the days of Eli, Kray, and Gadol, in the times of the Shaiftim, the Nenshu Alav, the And they were punished for that, for allowing that Oren in the Mishkan to go out to war. And it was taken captive until ultimately it was sent back. That's a whole story for itself. So the question I would like to raise on Rashi is that he seems to begin his commentary by warding off Akasha that one might ask based on a later Pasuk, based on Pasuk Gimel. And as I've said many times, that is not Rashi's derech. Usually Rashi will leave a Pusik on its own, not worry about the fact that it is contradicted by later Sukkim. If it's contradicted by an earlier Pusik, a Pusik that we have already read, then Rashi will right away address it. But if a Pusik is sensible on its own, it's just that there seems to be a contradiction in some later Pusik, Rashi will usually wait so the later process, and this is really just logical, besides the fact that it is dem demonstrably, demonstrably the, 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 the way of Rashi, but it's logical. If a Pasuk is good, it's good. Who cares if something later um, seems to contradict it? When we'll come to that later place, we can, we can explain it. Here, Rashi seems to break that rule. All this Pasuk says is, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, make yourself some luchais and make yourself an oranate. Okay, nothing wrong with that. The fact that Moshe Rabbeinu did it the other way around, as it says a few psukim later, okay, so we'll figure that out when we get there. And we can say that he was concerned on a practical level, what would he do with the Luchais? Where would he put them if he didn't have an orange already prepared? That's question number one. And question number two, this second part of Rashi, beginning with seems altogether just uh, very superfluous, very um, very unnecessary. Who, who, who even asked altogether, is this the same Oren, not the same Oren? When exactly did, did Bissalo begin building his Oren? When did Maishir Rabbeinu make this one? And, and what was the function of the two Orenais? All of that seems to be 
outside of this Pasuk, and therefore we have to understand why Rashi gets involved with it at all. Let's put that question up on a shelf, so to speak. Let's put it aside for the moment, and I would like to discuss the commentary of Ranban on this Pasuk, or on these few Pesukim. The Ranban actually has two approaches to this Pasuk. In the first approach, he, for the most part, agrees with Rashi that there were two Aranas. There was one made by Moshe Rabbeinu here in these Pesukim, and there was another one that was made later on by B'Tzalel when he constructed the Mishkan. However, the Ranban says that after B'Tzalel made the Mishkan in the Aran, so then at that point, they took both sets of Luchais, they put them into B'Tzalel's Aran, and that's where they stayed forever after. Moshe Rabbeinu's Aran uh, was put into Geniza, was hidden somewhere, was put away like, like we put away Seamus. And therefore, the Ranban says there was only, for, for most of history, there was only one Oren. For a very short time, Moshe Rabbeinu had a temporary Oren where he kept the, the new Luchas until B'Tzalo had finished his magnificent gold-covered Oren in the Mishkan. But once that beautiful gold-covered, gold-plated Oren was completed in the Mishkan, so then they took everything, the Luchas and the Shivri Luchas, the broken pieces of the original Luchas, they put it all into the beautiful new Orin, and that's where it stayed. And and uh, and there was no special Orin that went out with them to war, the Ramban says. There was an Orin. The Orin sat in the Mishka. One time they, they let it go out to war, and it was a, it was a terrible catastrophe. Then that the Ramban calls, he says, Zehu Anachin al-Das That is the correct interpretation according to the rabbis of the, the Talmud and the Midrash. But then the Ranban says a completely different explanation. He says, according to the way of Pshat, according to reading the Psukim in their simple, simple is not the greatest word, but in their direct way, he says, it is possible to explain this altogether differently. I'm not going to read every word here. I'm going to summarize. First of all, Ranban says that when it says here in this Pasek, Pasek Aleph, Yesisa Lecho Arain Eitz, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not telling Moshe Rabbeinu to make an Arain for the express purpose of putting these second Luchas into it. It's referring to the Arain that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had commanded B'Tzalo to make. The Ramban says and this is something that he discusses in Sefer Shemois. The Ramban here says that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu on Harsinai, on Vav Sivan, it included a commandment to build the Mishkan. Not like Rashi, who says very famously that the purpose of the Mishkan is to atone for the Chet Egel. And it sounds like that if there wouldn't have been a Chet Egel, maybe there wouldn't have been a Mishkan. That's debatable. But the Ramban doesn't go in that direction at all. And Ban says the Mishkan is part of the Torah. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. And HaKadosh Baruch who gave it to Meshul Rabbeinu, right at the beginning, right at Anvav Siva, right at the time of Matan Torah. They didn't do it right away because there was a little interruption. There was a little national catastrophe called 
and then Moshe Rabbeinu had to go up to the mountain and ask for forgiveness and get new luchas, and there was a whole delay. But the commandment had been there since Vav Sivan. So Ramban says that these words, make an Aroin Eitz, make a wooden container for the luchas, he's just repeating the commandment to make the Aroin of Bessawa, to make the Aroin that's going to be in the Mishkan. And therefore the Ramban says that Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the mountain. He got the second Luchas. He came back down the mountain. They were not in any Oren at all. He just carried them back down the mountain. Now, the Oren that Petzala was working on wasn't ready yet. That wasn't ready until not totally ready, uh, well, the Chazal say around Hanukkah time. Uh, it wasn't actually used apparently until until the beginning of Nisan, the next year. So Meishu Rabbeinu came down with the Luchas. Where did he put them in the time being? Ranban says he put them in the oil moyed. What is meant by the oil moyed? It says in Sefer Shemais that after uh, after the Chet Egel, Meishu Rabbeinu took a tent and he put it uh, outside the camp. And he used to go there to, to daven and to, and to receive messages from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to teach the people. That was called the Oil Mayim. That was his, like his special place. That was his base midrash. So in the meantime, Moshe Rabbeinu kept the Luchais in the Oil Mayim. And he waited month after month after month, however month, many months it was, until Betzalel's Oren was ready. And then he put into the new Oren the new luchas, and he also put in there the shivriya luchas. And Ramban says a very good indication of this uh, explanation is the pasuk that we have here. Pasuk hey, my Shurabena says I came down from the mountain, I placed the luchas into the oren that I made. That in itself doesn't sound so much like Ramban. Sounds more like it's a special Oren that Moshe Rabbeinu made. But listen to the end of the puzzle. And they were there as Hashem commanded me. Now, what is that coming to say? They were there. If I put them there, that's where they were. Ramban says what that those words mean is, and they stayed there forever as Hashem had commanded me on Har Sinai. Because where is he putting them, according to Ramban? He's not putting them in some temporary place, in some special temporary place. He's putting them into the Oren that was built by Bitzalel. And therefore by Yiyushon, they remained there forever. Kashi Sivani Hashem, as Hashem commanded. There are some more details that the Ramban discusses. That's the main point, that we are not talking about a special temporary Oren at all. There never was such a thing. The Pasuk says, make the Luchais and uh, make the luchais, and I'm sorry, make the luchais and make an orang eights. So make the luchais is something Moshe Rabbeinu is doing now, and he had never been commanded to do it until now. But make for yourself an orang eights is referring to the original commandment that was given at Matan Torah to make an orang in the Mishkan. And Moshe Rabbeinu waited until that was finished, and then he put the Luchais and the Shivri Luchais there, and that's where they stay. No temporary 
Luchas. Now, I'd like to come back to the Rashi, to the questions on Rashi. A question on Rashi was, why does Rashi, right away at the beginning, on Pasuk Aleph, uh, seemingly get nervous about what it's going to say in Pasuk Gimel, and Rashi right away explains to us uh, why it is that, uh, that, uh, that, that if Hashem said, first make the Luchas and then make the Orin, why did Meishu Rabbeinu do it backwards? Let's take a look at Rashi again. Hashem said to me, make for yourself the Luchas, and afterwards, Rashi interpolates, he sticks in these two words, the Acharkach, and afterwards, the Asisa Oroin. And afterwards, make for yourself an Oroin. Now, I think that as soon as Rashi said these words, the Acharkach, he's already disagreeing with Ramban. Now, of course, Rashi didn't see the Ramban's commentary, the Ramban lived later, but a comment that, Rash, that Ramban makes of Shat, I am sure that Rashi was aware of that possibility of explaining the Psukim in that way. And I think right here at the beginning of this Rashi, Rashi's telling us, I don't, I don't go that way. Why? So lucha, make the luchas, ba'achakach, and right afterwards, yasisa oran, and then make the oran. In other words, the Kodesh Baruch Hu is giving here two new commandments that were not given before. And he's saying, do it this one, and then do that one. That's not, according to Ramban, in the Derech HaPshat, that's not what a Kodesh Baruch Hu was saying. Kodesh Baruch Hu said, make two luchas then come up to the mountain, and in the meantime, B'Tzalel, down below, is going to make the Aroinates that I had mentioned to you when you came up to Harsinai the first time. It's really not do this and then do that. They're really being done simultaneously. Raji identifies right here at the beginning, no, I don't hold like that. That's not how I explain the Pasuk. I explain the Pasuk that these are two new mitzvahs that have never been given before. And therefore, right now, since Rashi has expressed his opinion, the Ramban, not like Ramban, he begins now to defend his position and to strengthen his position. According to Ramban, the fact that Pasuk Gimel gives a different order. I made the Oran 8s and then I yud the Luchas. It's really not a problem at all. Because again, these are not two mitzvahs that are given, being given at the same time, and there's an issue of which one you should do first. They're really being done simultaneously. The truth is, which was the older mitzvah? Which mitzvah came first? It was the mitzvah to make the Oran in the, in, in the, in the Mishkan. Except there hadn't been time. There had been a national catastrophe that interrupted. But when it says in Pasuk Gimel that uh, first someone, it really says I did, but when, it's, when it says... I made the Aranatse Shitim, that might really be, that could mean that Pitsalo was making the Aranatse Shitim under Moshe Rabbeinu's instructions, following his instructions, and and I, Moshe Rabbeinu, I was uh, cutting out the two stone tablets. It's not a kasha, why, why would he make the Aranatse Shitim first if HaKadosh Baruch Hu had said to make the Luchas first, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't say 
to make the Luchas first. These two commandments didn't come at the same time. But Rashi did say that. Rashi right here took a position that these are two mitzvahs, two mitzvahs that had never been given before, they're being given right now, and they were given in a certain order. In order to, to be mechazek, in order to strengthen his case, and in order to prevent us from asking Akasha on his case. So Rashi says, well, look, there's a reason why I changed the order. Because logically, in the world of Misa, the proper thing to do is to build the container first. So that when you finish building the important contents, you'll have somewhere to put them. So it comes out that Rashi is not stunned. This is not plain looking forward to a later soft pusik and taking care of any contradiction. He's defending a position that he himself took already. This I've said many times, that once Rashi takes a position, once he expresses a certain opinion about a pusik, if there's anything to be asked about it, if there are any kashas, any difficulties that need to be answered to defend his position, he will do so, and he will do so by all means necessary, including starting to delve into psukim that we have not come to. And I think this is why Rashi goes on and on into quite a quite an arichus, quite at length, to explain that this oran is not the oran that it's Solomon. In other words, he's further strengthening his position, not like Ramban. Ramban says, Ramban said the Asisa Lucha Aroin Eitz is referring to the Oran that made Bitsalo. Rashi is strengthening his point that that's, he doesn't think that's so. He thinks that Loizehu Aroin Shasa this is not the Oran that Bitsalo made. And he explains a proof to that because Bitsalo only started to make his Oran at a later time. So the nimsa zehu, nimsa oren acher, it comes out that this is a different oren. And now that Rashi has come up with this, this chiddush, and he has strengthened this chiddush, that there were really two oreinos, so now he has to explain why, why, why would you have two oreinos? What do you need two for? So he says, this one was yoytzi imahem nemochama, the other one was supposed to sit in the Mishkan and never move out of the Mishkan. And even one time that it did, they were terribly punished. A terrible catastrophe occurred. So it comes out, we have here a very basic machlekas between Rashi and Ranban. According to Rashi, there were two Arainais, and that and Rashi at length defends this position and develops this position because he knew that you could look at the Psukim differently. You could, could have possibly looked at the Psukim the way Ranban did, which is that there was only, in all of history, one Oren, that's the one that Bitsalo made, and that contained everything that it needed to contain, and it never went anywhere except one time there was a terrible mistake, and it was taken out to war. That, of course, is on the technical level. This explains why Rashi jumped to, to get into something that's really only in a later Pasek, even though that's not usually his derech. I'd like to say a, a, a short thought about the content. This is perhaps a little bit bederech brush, a little bit homiletical, but I think it's, I think it's nitan lehe'amer. I think it's something that could and should be said. Ranban insists that there was only one Olam. Rashi goes at quite a length to to insist that there were two. One 
had in it the Shivrei Luchais and went out to war. The other stayed home. What's the point, according to Rashi? Why were there two? What did the two Arenas represent? And I think that it's like this. The Oren that Moshe Rabbeinu built for the purpose of uh, housing the Luchas temporarily, and then to house, to contain the Shivri Luchas on a more permanent basis, that, and, and which went out with them to war, that represents the idea of the Torah out in the world. The, the Torah person, the Torah Jew, who knows the Torah, observes the Torah, but there's a world. He has to go out into the world. Sometimes he has to even go out to war. Now, when you go out into the world, the Torah does not retain its pristine theoretical purity. You can't always do every mitzvah to its utmost perfection when you're out in the world. It would be inappropriate. It's not, it's not because we're, we're not, no longer careful about the mitzvah. The halacha dictates that in certain instances, you, the halacha does bend to a certain extent. It doesn't just bend like, like, like silly putty, the way some people unfortunately think. But there is some flexibility, and there are certain things that you can't do in certain situations and that you don't do in, situa in certain situations. Anyone who has learned a little bit of halacha, particularly from the Sefer Mishnah Brura, knows that as situations change, sometimes we might rule one way, according to one opinion that's more machmir. That might be in the more lechachila situation. That might be in a more... Uh, in a situation where a person has more ability and more choice to do whatever he can and try to do the mitzvah in the best possible way. And then when it comes to difficult situations, when it comes to shasatchak, when it comes to a time of uh, pressing need, sometimes, many times, the Mishnah Brura, and, and this is just, a, that is a very traditional stance that he takes, then the, the Paskim say that, well, in this such and such a case, you may rely on certain minority opinions. Of course, you can't just rely on some silly opinion that some silly person expressed, but you may rely on perhaps a minority position. We find in the, in the Shulchan Aruch, in, the, in Yoridea, in the laws of Kashrus, you find very often that uh, the Shulchan Aruch will say that uh, if you have this in this situation, the chicken has a bruise over there, or this, this small amount of milk fell onto the pot of meat and it was, it was hot up to this particular temperature and it was in one vessel and a different vessel. Of course, there are many variables that you'll find in certain situations where the Shulchan Aruch will say, also, you may not eat that food. And the Ramor and later Paskin will say, but in a Shasadchak, you may partake. What's going on here? Is it Basar or is it Muta? So the standard explanation is that really it's Muta. Really the consensus of the great authorities is that this situation is permitted. However, since there are those who are Mahmer, there are minority opinions who are more stringent about this particular case. So under normal conditions, under conditions where one has the liberty to be stringent. For example, one can afford to throw out this 
pot of chicken soup and, and go go purchase another chicken and get a, get a new pot of chicken soup, then one should attempt to be stringent. But where the Torah comes up against the world, where the, there's, there's a poor man and this is the only chicken he's, there's no possibility that he's going to be able to buy another chicken before Shabbos. And this drop of milk fell in, or there's this little bruise on this particular bone, and we, we want to know whether that's considered a tray for or not. Really, the halacha says, mutter. But the point is, when the Torah goes out into the world, there's a certain fluidity, and not everything we do seems to be in the, to, in the, to the utmost, seems to be, utm- to, to be, the, to be logical, to the to the to the nth degree, because you might see one person machmer on this particular thing, because he has the ability. And you might see another person is instructed to be lenient about this particular case, because he does not have the ability, financially or otherwise, to to afford to be stringent about this particular thing. The Torah is coming up against the realities of the world, and there's a certain system of how to deal with that. And that's very important. That's all part of the Torah. When you study that system, you study all these different opinions in the Paskim and, and when to apply this one and when to apply that one and what's called Ashasatchak and what's called Bidiyevit and that's part of Torah. But they're also, that, and that is represented by the Oren that Moshe Rabbeinu made. It was made only because Paul Yisrael goofed Bigadol, as they say in, in, in Israel today. They made a big goof, and they made the uh, the the, the, the eagle. They, they committed the cheta eagle, and it was only and 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 and, and that orange went out to war. That went out into the world, but there also has to be a Torah in its pristine theoretical purity. There has to be an orange that sits in the mishkan in its absolute kedusha, in the shining glory of the gold plates of the Orin, and that represents the Torah in its pure logic and and profundity and theoretical um, beauty. Imagine that's like a, a brisker shtickle Torah. That's like a fantastic view of how all these different halachas fit together and how they're all based on a profound understanding of human nature and how they're and they're based on 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 an understanding of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's nature and and if you want to go into Kabbalah how each mitzvah is, is a hint to different aspects of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's reality and that's also important we also have to study that we have to be inspired by such things we have to we have to be overtaken by such things there has to be a Torah with 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 pilpula diarisa, not not empty pilpul, but a pilpul that uh, a, an expounding of the depths of the Torah. That also has to be, and that stays. That's in the base medrash. That's in the mishkan, and there's a time for that also. Both of these aspects, and I don't mean that one person does one and the other another person does the other. Although sometimes it comes out like that, but even in the same person. Even the Talmud Chacham who sits in the base Medrash and he is delving deeply into the Sifrei HaAchreinim and the theoretical concepts of Halacha, 
but he's also sometimes goes out into the world. And you can't paskin like that. You can't, you can't live like that. You have to live. There's a different aspect of Torah by which you live, by which you deal with what life gives you, with what life deal, deals to you. And of course, the, the, the businessman, the balabayas, the man of action, who is most of the time out there fighting the wars and dealing with very practical matters and oftentimes being lenient about certain matters because the halacha deems it appropriate and necessary to be lenient in the situations in which he finds himself. But he can't become too comfortable with that. We should also have some time, sit in the base medrash and see the theoretical, pure profundity of the Torah.